Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at mynsc.org. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon. Are you ready to study the Word of God today? It's going, to be, it's going to be lots of fun. I'm going to share something with you today um, as we are celebrating not only Palm Sunday, we're celebrating the, 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 the Passion Week, the week of, of Christ's Passion. We're celebrating um, uh, Good Friday um, because we, you know, Easter is all about the resurrection, but we take kind of Palm Sunday and we talk about more about the cross. We talk about the cross of Christ. We talk about what Jesus endured and... Um, and, and every single Palm Sunday, I don't know if you've ever realized this, but every single Palm Sunday, we always come to the Lord's table together and we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Um, and it's just something that we love to do here. We just, this thing is the, just the perfect day for us to do that. And um, um, so we're going to do that at the end of today's service. So just hold those communion elements. Uh, I promise you, we did not forget about it. And then we're going to, we're going to worship the Lord a little bit more at the end of this at the end of the service, I'm going to read to you today out of Hebrews chapter 12. And before I do, I'll let you know the subject matter that this is we're going to be talking about your worst days. And Jesus, of course, had a worst day. It was it was Good Friday. It was it was good for us. It was terrible for him. Right. Uh, and he had a bad day and we're going to learn from him on his bad day. How many have ever had a bad day before? Like you've had a really bad day. I, I've had tons and tons of bad days. Some of them are so bad that I don't really want to talk about them because they're pretty rough. Anybody have some days like that? You're like, I'd just rather not talk about that. I'd, I'd just rather not go there. Some of the, some of my bad days would just be too long to, to, to tell you about. And, and yet I've had, I've had lots of bad days. So, so many that, that I've looked back and said, okay, well, which one do I share? You know, which one, where, where do I go for a bad day? And I was thinking one of the ones that quickly came to mind is, you know, you're, you're having a bad day when you're in a car accident. Have you ever been in, in a car accident? Now, thankfully, I've never really, since I was like literally 16, I've never really been in an accident that affected me. But uh, we, we were driving home when my parents used to live in, in the Knox area. We were driving from Knox back to Plymouth and we were taking the back roads and, and it was the middle of summer and it had just rained. The, the, um, just a, a beautiful summer day, but, the, but you know, the type of rain that comes for 30 minutes and then lifts off and it's just kind of hot and humid and, and the cornfields were, were high. Um, you know, the corn was still high, probably six foot high at this point. And so I come to this intersection, it's a dirt road, but the, 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 the cross um, traffic was on pavement. So I come up to this intersection and I can't see if somebody's coming or not. Uh, because the corn is so high that I can't see around. Have you ever been there in the country? You can't see around the corner. So I, I just bump up the car a little bit uh, to see, you know, around the corn to see who's coming. And this guy was just barreling down the road. And he thought that I was, apparently he thought that I was going to pull out in front of him. And I wasn't. I was just, I just barely nosed my nudge up, my, or nudged my nose up there. Nosed my nudge. Uh, nudged my nose of the car up there to see around the, the cornfield, and he gets scared, he overreacts, he hits the brakes, he hydroplanes, and he ends up in this big irrigation ditch off the side of the road. And um, 
Of course, you know, we immediately, you know, I tell Jennifer, I said, hey, call 911. I'm running down there um, to, to help them. And apparently it was him and his sister were in this old beat up uh, truck together. And uh, I go down to help them. And when she, when I'm helping her out of the, the truck and helping her up, you know, climb this irrigation ditch to get up to the road, her, her wrist was just split in two where it was kind of, you could just tell it was broken. It, ever seen something like that? It's kind of you know, it's kind of like, Oh, I'm shouldn't, I shouldn't be looking at that. Like that ain't right. You know, your bones aren't supposed to look like that. And, and, uh, you know, no, it turns out he, he, um, he kind of got in trouble because there, it was evidence that he was speeding significantly. There were some open cans, if you know what I'm talking about nearby. And, uh, you know, so obviously nothing, you know, not my fault. Nobody, you know, I never even heard a thing about it after, after the accident. I, I think I got one phone call and, and it was a, a done deal. But you know you're in a bad day. You know you're having a bad day, not only when you get in an accident, but when you when you when you see an accident, when you see those things, I tell you, it hung over my head the whole day. Like like I felt bad. I knew it wasn't my fault, but I still felt bad. Have you ever been there too? Like you know that it wasn't your fault. You know that you didn't do anything wrong, but it's still a bad day. And, and you just have to endure. And, and in this case, Jesus, he didn't do anything wrong. He was spotless Lamb of God, the sinless son of God. He didn't do anything wrong, and yet he was having a really, really bad day on the day that he was captured, and, and he went through false trials, and he was accused of blasphemy and other things, and of course, they found him uh, guilty, um, not because he was, but because it was all a scheme to take out Jesus, the Messiah, but, but Jesus knew exactly what was happening. He was purchasing our salvation, and he knew it. And God had, 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 had set that time in history and sent his son, Jesus, at that time in history, knowing full well that Jesus was going to purchase our salvation on that good Friday, good for us, terrible for him. Isn't that amazing? And so what I thought about is this Hebrews chapter 12 if you read this out of the message, which is what I'm going to do for you today, I want to show you something out of the message that I just love the way that this reads. And if you read it out of the NIV, you'll see the same thoughts right there. Um, you know, the message is a paraphrase. It's not a translation, but it, it just tells you, it just easily explains the, the Bible. And, and I love to, to read through the message at times. Um, this is what it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began... And finished this race that we're in. Now, what's this phrase? And I underlined it in your notes. Study how he did it. Study how he did it. Because he never lost sight of where he was headed, that exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, Whatever, that's what we're going to talk about today, what he put up with, what he endured. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. And when you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item. That long litany of hostility he plowed through, that... When you go through that story again and again and you study how he did it, that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. How many know that the message is not a translation? You know that, right? Just a paraphrase. But I love how that reads. Study how he did it. Because when you have a bad day, on your worst day, when you remember the cross, 
It actually teaches you how to live life. It teaches you how to live on your worst day. And there were seven sayings of Jesus. Jesus said seven different things when he was hanging on the cross. And could you imagine the blood loss at that point? He was so abused at that point, so beaten, so torn up by the whip that he had this massive blood loss and he was unrecognizable. In fact, I've told you this before, most theologians believe that, you know, you see Jesus with a little bit of blood and a loincloth around him, that that was not the case. He was so bloody, he was unrecognizable, so beat up, so swollen that he was unrecognizable. Then by the way, most theologians believe that he hung there naked. That, that when they stripped him and, and was actually, you know, uh, uh, casting lots for his clothing, that all of his clothing came off. So it was not only an act of torture, it was an act of humiliation. And he did that for you. He did that for me. And no matter what bad day you've been through or might be going through now, I promise you, it doesn't compare with what Jesus went through on that good Friday. That was good for us, but terrible for him. And he said seven things that if you're having a bad day, I want you to study these seven things. And I'm just going to point them out to you very quickly. We're going to go to the Lord's table. But this is going to be so encouraging for so many in this room. And the next time you have a bad day, and you, you will, remember these things. The first thing that he said... The first thing he said is found in Luke chapter 23. And he said this, Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The first thing that he said is, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Number one, write this down, that you have to forgive those on your worst day. You have to forgive those who are mistreating you. You have to forgive those who are mistreating you. Because on your worst day, odds are somebody is mistreating you. On your worst day, there's a bad relationship. On your worst day, there's conflict somewhere. And you have to forgive people of their sin, of their failures, of their shortcomings. You have to forgive those who are mistreating them. This is what the Bible says to do for those who are mistreating you. You ready for this? Now, I could give you a long list, but there are three basic things that the Bible comes back to over and over and over again when you are being mistreated by somebody. It is pray for them, bless them, and do good to them. That's what the Bible says over and over again. Pray for them, bless them, and do good to them. So you don't think about, you don't think about how to get back at them. You think about how to bless them. Well, how can I bless them? What, what can I do to help them? What can I do uh, uh, to show them that I truly love them, even on this bad occasion, even in this bad situation? What can I do to show them the love of Christ? So you pray for them, you bless them, and then you do good to them. You know, one of the, the, the hardest things that I've ever gone through in, in my life and really in um, ministry is what, one time, again, long story, um, that I won't go into now, but one time uh, many years ago, uh, in fact, I was a very young, uh, I must have been 23, 24 at the time, and this older gentleman just verbally attacked me, and he did it in front of other people, and I mean he wailed on me. 
and I did, what, wasn't deserving of it. I, I wasn't, it, it, it was just, it was just this guy. You, you ever met just that guy or just that girl? And this guy just went off. And I came home, and I was just a newlywed. I'd only been married a few weeks, and I came home to Jennifer, and my ex, actually my brother was there that night, and, and I, I just wept, and I told them of the pain. I told them of the wound that had just occurred, and there's those thoughts that the devil puts in your mind is that I was thinking, boy, if this is what ministry is, I don't want to have anything to do with it. Like, if this is what ministry is, I want nothing to do with it, nothing. And yet, as I was laying in bed, literally just crying myself to sleep, you know, and, and Jennifer is just kind of embracing me and just saying, hey, it's going to be okay. We're going to make it through this. And, you know, things are going to work out. And I, I kind of, I just said, you know what we have to do? We have to stop. I have to pray for this man. I have to, I have to speak a blessing over him. And I did that very night that I was so wounded. I don't know that I've ever been wounded by anybody else so greatly. And that night, I just took time not only to pray for him, but I spoke a blessing over him. And I was around him for months and months and months to come. And every time I saw him, I just went out of my way to do good to him, to shake his hand, to say hello, to serve him, to be willing to serve him. And it was one of the toughest things that I ever had to do. And yet, that's what the Bible says. It says, listen, on your worst day, forgive those who are mistreating you. Forgive those who are mistreating you. Jesus was hanging on the cross, being absolutely mistreated beyond what you can imagine. And he took the time to say, Father, forgive them. They don't really know what they're doing. Like he was still fighting. He was still fighting for the ones that were abusing him. Think about that. He was fighting for those who were making him have a terrible day. Even in his pain, he was still serving and loving the unlovely on his worst day. How many know we can learn from that? We can learn from that. Number two, write this down. The second thing he did is you got to help others who are experiencing similar struggles. We ha on our worst day, we have to help others who are, who are experiencing similar struggles. You're like, well, where is that in Scripture? Well, let's look at Luke chapter 23. He says, then he, this is verse 42, then he, and it's talking about the thief. Remember, there were two thieves on, on, on the cross, one on each side of Jesus. And one of the thieves said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Here they are. They're struggling. They're enduring the same thing. Both are being crucified. And one of them reaches out to Jesus on Jesus' worst day. He reaches out to Jesus and says, oh, by the way, can you help me? And, and lots of times on your worst days, that's when, some, can I tell you something? On, on the weeks that Jennifer and I are just experiencing a high level of stress, that we're just, we're, we're just, it's just phone call after phone call. It's bad news after bad news. It's diagnosis after diagnosis. It's, it's marriage trouble after marriage trouble. It's financial issues. That those terrible weeks, we think to ourselves and we say to each other, boy, what else? I mean, what else? And as soon as we say that, the phone rings again. Pastor, I got to talk to you. And, like, and Jennifer, there's been one time uh, just a few months ago where Jennifer said, I cannot take anything else this week. I can't take anything else. 
And not, not just a few minutes after that, somebody contacts us with the worst news out of all the news that we heard that week. Because have you never noticed that when you're struggling, that's when people often try to reach out to you for help. And you're thinking to yourself, how can I help you? Can't you see this mess that I am in already? I can't, I can't take on your struggle and my struggle. And yet Jesus, as he was being crucified, somebody is asking him for help. Somebody who was experiencing a similar struggle. They said, hey, can, could you remember me? And Jesus said, today... You're going to be with me in paradise. Yes, I can help you. In fact, today, because you called upon me, you're saved. I got you. Isn't that amazing? I mean, come on, everybody. Don't be so egotistical. Don't be so self-focused, self-centered, that on your worst day, you're not willing to help somebody else. And I'll tell you what Jennifer and I do. We just made it. I'm telling you, on our worst day, you can call us and we're still going to serve you. We're still going to love you. We're still going to talk with you. We're going to counsel you. We're going to show up for you if you need us to because we know what bad days are like. And because we love you. And if we really love others, we need to look past our own circumstances and help people who are struggling too. And in doing that, by the way, can I, can I tell you something? It does a couple of things. First of all, it, 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 it keeps your eyes off of your struggles and reminds you to put your focus on Jesus Christ because when we're helping out other people with their struggles, we're just pointing them to Jesus. And it's a reminder to us that, yeah, Jesus is going to work for us too. That on our worst day, that Jesus is going to be there for us, too. The, the, the other thing is, is it, it, it actually helps us to see the solution. It, it allows us to put everything in perspective. When, when we're ministering to somebody else and serving somebody else, a lot of times, all of a sudden, we realize the things that we're going through doesn't compare to what so-and-so is going through. And boy, I don't really have a right to complain. Think about what they're going through. I don't really have a right to make complaints here. I, I just, boy, they're really having a bad day. And we just put the, the emphasis on them and we serve them and care for them. And it takes our eyes off of our own situation. It, and it takes, can I tell you something else? It removes self-pity out of our lives. Because we're just focusing on helping somebody else. And, and it turns out like this all the time that as we help somebody else, God just helps us. Can, can I tell you something? When you get your eyes off of yourself and you just love and serve somebody else, that God will do the miraculous in your life when you live for the glory of his name and for the benefit of others. I promise you, he will take care of you. He'll solve your problem as you help other people solve theirs. Can I tell you, there, there have been times in our lives, this is just a great example, there have been times in our life that we just didn't have much money. And, and, and this is while we're trying to get debt free and things were really tight and all of a sudden somebody comes up and says, I really need and uh, can you help me out with this? And, 
And we're like, well, where do we, we're, you know, we're having our own issues here. And we just decide, you know what? No, God has called us to be generous. He's called us to be faithful. We're just going to give generously here. Even though in our minds we didn't really have it, we thought, where is this going to come from? But we just gave out of faith and out of love. And all of a sudden, God just turns that around and does the supernatural for us. And he takes care of us. It just happens like that over and over and over again. On your worst day, you have to help others. Number three, on your worst day, don't forget about the needs of your family, though. Don't forget about the needs of your family. Remember what happened on the cross, John 19. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother there, and the disciple whom he loved, that's John, standing nearby, he said to her, to his mother, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, to John, here is your mother. And from that time on, John took Jesus' mother Mary into his home. On, on Jesus' worst day, he didn't forget about his family. Let, let me help you out with this. Keep your problems in perspective. Let, let me say it this way. Don't pass your pain onto others. Let me say it another way. Your children, especially your young children, aren't going to help you get through that problem you're facing. So why even share it with them? Why even put that pain upon them? Why, why, even, why, uh, why even let that affect their day? Uh, let, let me... Let me give you some ideas here of how this happens. On your worst day, on your worst day when things are going really, really bad, I, I, my wife and I, we've tried so very hard that our children would not know anything about it. That when we got home, no, we have a family first mentality. We want our children to be happy. We want them uh, to have a great life, to have a joy-filled life. And we learned a long time ago, it's no benefit to our children for us to put our stresses on them. That one of the ways that we can protect our children is on our worst day, we still love them and play with them and talk with them and spend quality time with them. Like on our worst day, we don't neglect our children. On our worst day, we actually pull our children closer. Because it's so easy, isn't it, to be so distracted by your problem? And you've seen this and you've probably experienced this before. In fact, I wanted you to know, I've not always been successful in this area. I have failed. That there are those bad days that you have and you're in a bad mood and you come home and your children are, Daddy, can we, can we do this? Can we do this? Daddy, can you? No, 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 no. Just get away from me. Can't you see that I'm stressed? Can't you see that I'm having a bad day? Go, go. Just get away. Can, can I tell you, everybody, there's a better way to live life? That's not how we should live life. Don't pass your pain onto others. It doesn't benefit you. It doesn't benefit them. It doesn't benefit your family as a whole. Don't focus so much on your bad days that you neglect your family. That's a word for some people here in this room today. If things bad at work and they've been bad for a long time and you're just consistently in a bad mood, can I tell you? Your family does not deserve to be mistreated because your boss is mistreating you. I'm just being honest with you. You need to be stable in your home. You need to be the leader of joy, the leader of peace, the, the, the leader of fun in your home. You need to be the leader of quality time. Don't neglect your family on your worst day. 
Don't pass your pain on to them. Boy, this is good stuff. Number four, on your worst day, aim your hard questions at God and not at man. Aim your hard questions at God and not at man. Matthew 27 says this, about three o'clock in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, is how you say that. If you didn't know, I, I just trust me, I did the research this week, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Of course, he's quoting scripture. He's quoting messianic prophecies at that point. Why have you forsaken me? Aim your hard questions at God, not man. You're going to have some hard questions in your life. There's going to be days where you don't have the answer to the question that you're asking. And in your anger and in your, your frustration, you're going to go to others and you're going to, can I tell you something? Your first go-to source is the Lord. We run first to the kingdom of God, right? We seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. That's where we go to first. So, so can I tell you something? It's, God is not scared of your questions. There's some times where I thought, God, why didn't you show up? God, why didn't you do this? I don't understand why you didn't do this. God, it doesn't, doesn't make sense to me. Can I tell you something? Aim those questions at God. Aim those questions at God and don't, get, don't carry anger towards man. Let me say it another way. Christ followers trust God even when life doesn't make sense. That's what I'm trying to say, that we trust God even when life doesn't make sense. So I can go to God and say, God, that doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand that. But I know something about you. You're still God. And my hope is still in you. Okay, can I tell you something? I had some of those thoughts when my father passed away a little over a year ago. Now, I don't want to say that some people deserve healing more than other people. I know that when people get healed, it is the absolute grace of God on every single occasion. I get that. But we prayed. And God didn't answer the way that we wanted him to answer. And to this day, can I just be honest with you? Is this too transparent? I still don't understand. But I love Jesus. I don't understand, but I'm not sovereign. I don't understand, but I'm not all-knowing. I don't understand, but I'm not God. And at the end of the day, I've just chosen. No, my trust is in my Savior. My trust is in my Father, my Heavenly Father, who knows best. So I don't, I don't have to go to any of you and, and ask you, well, why did this happen to my dad? I don't have to ask you that question because I take that hard question. I take it to God and say, God, I don't understand this. I don't get this. But one thing I know is that you are good. Your, your word says that you are good every single day, that you're perfect in your goodness. And I'm just trusting in that goodness. God, if I don't hope in you, I have no one else to hope in. There's nobody else for me to rely on. So I just hope in you. See, take those things to God. But as a Christ follower, you got to keep trusting him even when life doesn't make sense. And Jesus, as he's hanging there, he's going through this turmoil because he's never been separated from his father before. He's never gone through that level of pain. He's never gone through that separation. 
And he feels, he feels like God isn't close, like God isn't there. And he's not afraid to, to go to his father and say, God, I'm, I'm confused about this. I don't like this. I, I don't understand this. I, of course, I know he's, he's quoting these verses. He's proving that he's Messiah. I get all of that stuff. But in his humanity, Jesus, fully God, fully human, in his humanity, he has this inner battle of the separation between him and his father. He doesn't... He doesn't like it, and he's questioning God. But at the end of your question, as a follower of Christ, we need to end that question with, God, I still trust you. I don't understand, but I'm not God, and I trust you anyway because I know my life is always better in your hands because if you don't trust in him, in whom do you trust? Nobody. Number five, this is going to be quick. Be human enough on your worst day to acknowledge your need. To acknowledge your need. Jesus says he's on the cross. He said, he said, I am thirsty. Remember that John 19 verse 28. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. He acknowledged a need that he had. I am thirsty. Thirsty. Be human enough to acknowledge your need. People fail to be real because they fear being hurt. They fear being rejected. They fear being exposed. And yet Jesus on his worst day was hurt and rejected and exposed. He endured it. He went through it. And he acknowledged his need. Can can I tell you something? Go to God first. Go to God first. But if you have a need, it's okay to go to somebody else and just say, hey, I have a need. In my case, after I go to God, I go to my wife and then I go to my family. That's just who I go to. That, that's, that's, that's the order. I run to God first, and then I'll talk to my wife. And then if, it's, if I still need more prayer support, if I still need some help, then I go to my family after that. I say, hey, I need, I need some help. Now, praise the Lord, I have a family that will cover me in prayer and will cover me in encouragement and help me through it. But you need people in your life. That, are, that, that will walk through life with you and that will help you when you're in need. And it's okay to go to somebody and say, hey, listen, I have this big question about God and I've already taken it to him, but hey, can, 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 can you just pray for me? Because I'm really still struggling with this. I'm really still confused about this. Can, can, you, just, can you just pray for me? Did you know that that's why we're a family, a church family? That's why I say church family every single Sunday, because I'm trying to help you guys realize that we're there for each other, that you should be able to go to anybody here on a Sunday morning and just say, hey, you know what? I got a need. Would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? I love it. I love to see people praying for each other. 
And I, I see it every Sunday out in the lobby. I'll see people just praying for each other. I, I see it in here and sometimes at the end of the services. And by the way, now that, that you know, I, this is a great time to say, you know that Governor Holcomb on April 6th has, has removed the mask mandate. We said here at the church that uh, for this service, the mask would be required until, until um, the state just removes that mandate. We were just going to follow the state guidelines. And so Easter, 8 o'clock services, masks are still required, okay? But the week after that, on April the 11th, masks will just will go back to that point of just being encouraged. And so just FYI on that, we, I just want to fill you in on that. But one of the things that we talked about staff meeting yesterday is, is one of the negatives about COVID, about social distancing and things like that, is we haven't had the ability as pastors and as leaders and as elders to lay our hands on people and pray a prayer of faith because of that issue. And I, I can't wait. And I told the guys this, hey, listen, uh, come, come April 11th, we're going to go back. We're going to go back to ministering at the altars. We're going to go back to laying our hands on people and praying for people and just, and just fighting the fight of faith with one another. We're just going to do that because I've missed that. I've just, and I, I just got to, I got to tell you something. It's one of the greatest joys of my life. So much fun just to, just to, to gather with somebody and just to pray for them and just to help them on their bad days. But, but when we do that, you've got to be, you've got to be human enough to acknowledge your need. Don't let pride keep, don't ever let pride keep you in your seats and keep you from coming down to be prayed for on a Sunday morning. Cause that's what family does. We're here for one another and you don't have to be embarrassed around us. You just be you. And if you have a need, you come up and say, Hey, I got a need, pray for me. And we will. Aren't you excited that our, 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 that we have a church family that loves to pray for one another, and we'll do that. That's so incredible. Number six, on your worst day, be assured that there is a purpose and an end. There is a purpose and an end. John 19.30, when he received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. It is finished. He said, it is finished. There is a purpose and an end. This Easter season, this resurrection and, and the cross and, and, and the resurrection, as we focus on those things, it reminds us that God loves us. He redeems us. He delivers us. There is a purpose and an end. There is a purpose and an end. You, will, you might be having a bad day today, but you won't always be having a bad day that there is a purpose and there is an end. And Jesus is hanging on the cross and saying, hey, I have fulfilled my purpose and here comes the end. It is finished. It is finished. Whatever you're going through right now, you won't always be going through this. There is a purpose and there is an end. And you remain faithful and you seek after the Lord and you trust him and acknowledge him in all of your ways. Amen. Because there's a purpose in it. And I hope this is encouraging to you today. I'm trying to, I'm trying to encourage you in the Lord today. But then number seven, fully surrender to God. Watch this. Fully surrender to God and let it go. Fully surrender to God and let it go. On your worst day, fully surrender that problem to God and let it go. I'm going to read this portion of scripture to you in Luke chapter 23. 
It was now about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon for the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two and Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. Now, can I tell you something doctrinally that's happening here, theologically that's happening here? Because a lot of people get confused about this. They look at, at, at the, the, the saying number six and they look at the saying number seven and they think they're exactly the same thing because... Uh, number six is it is finished and the Bible says he he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit and you would think well that's obviously his last words but the vast majority of theologians fully agree that those weren't actually his last words that when he bowed his head and he gave it was giving up his spirit that's when he said as he was giving up his spirit, as he was, as, as he was declaring, it is finished, the work has been done. He's bowing his head and he's saying, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then he breathed his last. You see the order there? They, they, they come right, they were just right there. It is finished. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then he breathed his last. One of the things that, that, that teaches us, everybody, is that you've got to fully surrender to God. And at some point on your worst day, you've just got to let it go. Don't keep hanging on to the pain. you just got to let it go and trust God. Stop. Let me say it this way. Everybody, stop hanging on to something. Stop hanging on to something that God wants to set you free from. Let me say it like that. Stop hanging on to that thing that God wants to set you free from. you got to fully surrender and let it go. Fully surrender and let it go. But, but pastor, I don't know how it's going to work out. I just don't fully surrender. God, I just give this to you. I give me to you. I give the situation to you. And I'm not going to manipulate it. I'm just going to trust. I'm letting it go. God, knowing that you're going to work all things out for my good because I'm called according to your purpose. you got to fully surrender and let it go. And you say, well, that's really tough. Yeah, it's called faith. faith. Have you ever realized that faith isn't always easy? It's not always easy, is it? It's faith. It's faith. We walk by faith. We live by faith. Aren't you glad that Jesus went to the cross for us, and we've studied how he done, how he did it. And now, when 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 we're struggling in our faith, we can go back to how he handled the cross and say, you know what? I'm I'm a Christ follower. I'm going to follow his example, and I'm going to live the way that Jesus lived. On my worst day, at the end of the day, I'm going to fully surrender, and I'm going to let it go. I'm going to trust God. See, this Easter season, it reminds us the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. It reminds us of the life that we have in Christ Jesus. Would you stand up with me? We're going to come to the Lord's table now. And I'm going to ask you to prepare the, the bread and prepare the cup. We've tried to prepare them as best we could to get them ready for you. I Meaning we partially peeled some things back and tried to make it as easy as possible. But we want you to prepare those now. And this is a moment of celebration. But the Bible also says this, when it comes to this moment, it's good that we examine ourselves to see, to 
make sure to verify that everything in our heart is right with the Lord. And I'm going to ask you, is your heart right with the Lord? Would you just close your eyes just for one, one quick moment? Jesus Christ endured the worst day ever. The worst day ever. And he did it because he loved you. What he was doing on the cross was purchasing your salvation. He was making it, he was making it where you, where if you trusted in him, in his death on the cross, if you believed in him, that you would have eternal life. See, he paid the penalty of your sins for you so that you wouldn't have to. He did it for you. Because the wages of sin is death. Somebody had to die. So Jesus died so that you wouldn't have to. And if you've not trusted Christ as Savior, today's a great day to do that. You don't have to do that on Resurrection Sunday. You don't have to do that on Easter. You can do that right here, right now. <laughs> God saves people on Palm Sunday just like he saves people on Easter Sunday. You can give your life to him right now. If you're ready to do that, could you hold up your hand really high? Just say, I'm giving my life to Jesus. All right. Put down your hands. I'm so proud of you. So very, very proud of you. For those in this room that you're, you're a believer, but you're examining your heart and saying, you know what? I, I, just, I just once again need to offer myself in, as an act of surrender, as an act of full surrender to God. I just need to give my life to, to God. I, I just want him to know that I'm taking him seriously. We're going to pray about that too. But for those of you who raise your hand, I'm going to pray a prayer. And in your own way, you just agree with this prayer. It's not the words that you say. It's the heart behind the words. So we come to the Lord Jesus Christ in worship and in honor and adoration. And we say to our Heavenly Father, Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus into the world. He didn't deserve to die, but he did so that I wouldn't have to. And today I trust, I trust your son, Jesus. Jesus, I trust you as Savior, as Lord. I surrender my life to you. I invite you into my life. And I declare, Jesus, you are Lord. And I will follow you. I will live a life of surrender all of my days. I'm committing my life to you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for spilling your blood. Thank you for what you endured. The, the beatings that you endured. Thank you for giving your life for me. I'm not worthy of it. It's all the more reason that I rejoice today. You did it because you love me. And I love you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving me. For delivering me of my sins. I give you worship. I give you praise. So we take the bread, new song. And as we eat it together, we remember the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we give him praise. Amen. Let's take the bread together.
and we take the cup and we remember the beauty of the cross. We remember his precious blood that was spilled for our sins, shed for our sins, and we give him praise. Amen. Amen. Let's take the cup together. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org connect. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.